0: Miss Robin, take your Bible, if you would, this evening, turn to Genesis chapter number 29. We'll be looking at Genesis chapter 29, 30, and 31 this evening. We've been looking at the patriarchs, we've been looking at the life of Abraham, then the life of Isaac, and then this sneaky snake, the supplanter by the name of Jacob that we learned a little bit more about as we've been studying his life, looked more about his life. Last week, we saw the fact that he had this vision of God and this up the ladder and down the ladder with the angels and had opportunity to hear God's voice and God promised his presence, God promised his protection, God promised his peace, God promised his prosperity. So, so much that that Jacob got from that, his opportunity to spend time with God and that's the most important part of our life is when we spend time with God. I hope that's a daily thing with you. I hope it's something that you, as you get up in the morning or whenever that time is when you're the most awake, Uh, You spend time with God and you recognize that he has the same promises to you, that he promises his presence. He promises his peace. He promises his protection. He promises his prosperity. If you only trust him, believe in him. So we see this in life of Jacob. But here we see this panoramic view. If you look at your phones, I don't know about I don't know about Android, but an Apple phone you can take a panoramic view, you can take more than just one little s- slice of a picture, you can take a panoramic view of maybe an entire side of a building, and you can look at it all at one time, and it's kind of condensed, but it's a neat way to look at it, and we're going to kind of do that in Genesis chapter 29 through uh, 31, we're going to kind of look at uh, this, this, the, this, the life of this patriarch, and really can entitle these three chapters as Discipline, Deception, and Detru- Distrust, Discipline deception, and distrust, if you want to title this message. But let's start in chapter chapter 29, chapter 29, and we'll start in verse 1. We'll see, first of all, love at first sight. Love at first sight, which is probably the best part of these three chapters. It says in chapter 29, verse 1, that Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east, and he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep lying by it, out of the well, they watered the flocks and the great stone was upon the well's mouth. and thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in the place. Now remember that Rebekah had told Jacob Esau's plan to kill Jacob, and he traveled basically 500 miles from where he was to this land. The sole purpose was to find him a wife. And so we look, pick up again in verse four, and Jacob said to the man, "My brethren, whence, whence be ye?" And they said, of Haran, we, we, we are. And uh, I'm sure at this point, Jacob's heart begins to pitter-patter a little more because he knows he's closer to the place where he will find a wife. Look at verse five. And he said to them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. In verse six. And he said to them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel's daughter cometh with the sheep. So he's looking for a wife. And here comes the future bride. Here comes the future bride. And love is a strange thing. It will cause people to do all sorts of things. I think there's been a few songs written about that, which I'm not going to sing tonight, okay? Look at verse 16. We read about him meeting uh, Rachel and all that goes on. But verse 16, Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah. The name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah was tendered-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And I was studying this passage. I came across an interesting fact that in the Old Testament when you wanted to say a woman was beautiful, you called her cow-eyed. I don't think I will be calling my wife cow-eyed tonight. Don't think she would like that one bit. But if she was not so attractive, you would call her weak-eyed. So this was a cow-eyed woman, a beautiful woman, Rachel was. She was beautiful and well-favored. The Bible says, Go back to verse 7. And he said, Lo is yet high day, neither is a time of the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep and go and feed them. This is clever. Jacob is basically a manipulator, and he's wanting these these people who are around, these shepherds, to to flee. Why? Because he wants to spend time with this woman that he now finds very attractive and hopes that he will someday somehow marry. And it says in verse eight, And we cannot until all the flocks should be gathered together, and until they roll the stone from the well's mouth and we water the sheep. Now I can imagine that this time Jacob's a little upset. They're not leaving. He's not going to get to spend time alone with this woman who he's probably attracted to. So look at verse 10. It came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, the mo- his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of the Laban, his mother's brother. I, I, this guy who seems like he's been house weaned, been focused so much on being a, 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 if I had to say kindly, a mama's boy, now does an act of incredible strength, when a man loves a woman, he will do am- amazing things, he will lift a rock that he cannot lift because a man loves a woman. And look what it says, and the Bible says, Jacob kissed Rachel. Not only does he move this rock, he kisses this woman. And then the Bible says he lifted his voice and wept. So he sees this woman, moves this strong rock, miss kisses Rachel, and then lifts, lifts, lifted his voice and cries. What would you think about this guy who's doing all these crazy things? Woo, what would you think, ladies, if you met somebody like that? How would you respond to that? Something's not quite right. What's that? Oh, thank you. That's one way. Verse twelve, <laughs> and Jacob, Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, and that he was Rebekah's son. And he was, and she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard these tidings of Jacob, his son's, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him, embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him to the house. And he told Laban all these things. So verse thirteen, we see cover was probably for several hours. All these things, you know, probably Jacob is telling the troubles that maybe went on in his past. Now, if he told everything that happened, I'm not quite sure. Would have Jacob told, knowing who Jacob is at this time, the times that he deceived his brother Esau, those two times with his blessing and his birthright? I don't quite know, but he did share his heart with him. It says in verse fourteen, and Laban said unto him, Sure thou art my bone and my thou art my bone and my flesh, and bow with him a space of about a month. Now we see the next scene, verse fifteen. We see this deceiver is getting ready to be deceived. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me, for not tell me what my wages shall be. Now he's staying with him, and Laban in his his back of his mind is thinking about a way to use this person. Now Jacob has been using his brother Esau, but Jacob is going to meet somebody that's sneakier than him. If you ever think you're the, 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 the meanest, the baddest, the smartest, the greatest, trust me, there's somebody out there that's meaner than you, smarter than you, badder than you, can deceive more than can you, you can, can out lie more than you can, can name drop more than you can. There's always somebody out there that can do more than you and I. And, and Jacob's getting ready to meet his match. His name is, his name is Laban. So he's basically saying, hey, won't you come, won't you come stay with me, but basically, won't you come work for me? I want to use you. Verse 16, Laban had two daughters, the name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Verse 18, and Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Wow. Wow, seven years for Rachel, the younger daughter? Laban probably laughed and you know thought well maybe this will be a great opportunity Jacob comes in basically with no money he's penniless he has no dowry no money uh, not much he could bring to the relationship so what is he where we learn in verse 19 Laban said it's better that I give her to thee that I should give her to another man abide with me basically abide with me and work for me verse 20 and Jacob served seven years for Rachel and seemed unto him but a few days for the love he's had for her. And all the ladies said, Oh, how wonderful, how romantic. So so love at first sight, but secondly, the deceiver is deceived, verse 21, chapter 29, verse 21. And Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go unto her. So 2,555 days, now 2,556 days, and he says, it's time is up. Give me Rachel or I die. My days are completed. Verse 22, and Laban gathered all the men of the place and made a feast. And came to pass in the evening. He took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went into her, and Laban gave unto gave his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his maid for an handmaid. Now, in those days, wedding feasts usually lasted not just a few hours. Like we have weddings today. They lasted up to seven days. Seven days. That's a whole lot of that's a whole lot of food. That's a whole that's a whole lot of getting together and gathering, isn't it? Wow! What, imagine this. So, what does what does Laban do instead of doing what he what what Jacob thought he was going to do? And giving Rachel, he was go, he gave the 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 elder daughter, which is Leah. It Says in verse twenty-five, and it came to pass in the, that in in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Men, imagine that. Now during this time you think well surely they would he would know who she was but in these days the ladies were dressed so that you almost so veiled and so covered that they she, they could not see he could not see her I mean Jacob maybe is not the smartest cookie in the bunch but he certainly if she was dressed like we are dressed today would have known the difference between Rachel and Leah but he would but she was covered she was veiled this was something that that Laban was doing to trick him and he did. So he wakes up in the morning, looks, turns over to his, what he thinks is his wife, Rachel, and it is Leah. Imagine that. I wonder how far, how far he jumped out of that bed when he looked over and saw this cowhide woman. I wonder what he thought. Actually, this was weak-eyed, not the cowhide. He thought, thought, hey, I'm a married man, I got me a wife, this is the best day of my life, what a wonderful evening. He looks over and says, hello, oh, hello. (laughs) Oh, my soul, can you imagine, can you imagine the reaction? Verse 26, and Laban said, it must not so be in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Oh, you think you could have said that before? Mr. Laban, he forgot to leave out that little detail. The devil is in the details, aren't they? He didn't want to tell him that because he wanted to use him. He wanted to trick him. Verse 27, fill her wheat that we will give thee also for the service which thou shalt serve with me, yet yet seven other years. So not only are you gonna serve for, for seven years, you're gonna serve another seven years for Rachel. And obviously, obviously verse 30, he went also into Rachel He loved also Rachel more than Lee, and served him yet seven other years. That I cannot imagine. So Walter Scott wrote, oh what a tangled web we weave when we first practice to deceive. Do you struggle with trying to deceive others? Do you struggle with trying to deceive others? Norman Walkwell, You've seen his paintings, even though you didn't know it was Ro- normal Rockwell. There's this painting of this woman who's getting ready to buy a turkey. And she's in the butchers, in there with the butcher, and she's in the, you know, to buy the, buy the turkey, and, 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 she's, and the butcher is weighing the turkey. Now she's lifting up on the scale behind the turkey so he can't see. And he is pressing down on the scale behind the turkey so she can't see. And both of them are thinking they're deceiving one another when they really aren't. And that's what happens with us, folks. Sometimes we live life and we think we're deceiving people, but we're really not. You see, friends, you can deceive everybody. I thought as a young person growing up, as a teenager, I would somehow trick my parents sometimes and deceive them, and no one in the universe would ever know that would be true if there wasn't a God. But there is a God in heaven, and he knows all. He knows all. So, several ironies. Just as Jacob had deceived his father, and he'd been... deceived by Rachel's father. Just as Jacob pretended to be Esau, Leah had pretended to be Rachel. Just as Jacob had dressed his brother's clothing, Leah had dressed in Rachel's wedding clothing. If there's ever a time in the history of humanity that man took a dose of his own medicine, it was then. It was then. So we see love at first sight, deceivers deceived. And thirdly, the battle for the babies. Oh, how crazy this is verse 31 chapter 29 and when the Lord saw that Leah was hated what did the Lord do he opened her womb and Rachel was barren and Leah conceived and bare a son she called his name Reuben Reuben interesting name his name means look a son now you would think that God would open Rachel's womb but no he took pity upon Leah the weak-eyed woman and said God God said, I'm going to open her womb, and she's going to have a son. His name's going to be Reuben. Look, a son. The second son was named uh, Simeon. His name means hearing. And the third son was named Levi. And his name is, 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 is defined by or means joined. And the final son is going to be a son by the name of Judah. Is he, Judah's name means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So how does rachel respond to this well jacob you know i know it's it's difficult it's hard it's troubles and i i'm sure it's my fault no no rachel doesn't do that she does what a lot of times we do in life she blames somebody else we're very good at blaming somebody else for our problems aren't we we will blame everybody and anyone, but we'll never, we won't take the responsibility for ourselves. Look at thir- chapter 30, verse 1. When Rachel saw that she bared Jacob, no children, Rachel envied her sister and said, Jacob, give me children, else I die. Woo, that's pretty tough. Either I have children or I'm going to die. That's pretty serious, that's pretty serious. And Jacob's anger was kindled against Rachel, and he said, Am I of God's stead who hath withheld from thee the fruit of thy womb? So first of all, <laughs> Jacob Jacob is, is blamed for the problem. I don't think it's Jacob's problem. He's already had four kids. So this is not Jacob. Rachel, it could be you. But we don't like to say it's us, do we? We'll blame everybody in the whole world, but we'll never, that fickle finger of fate, will never come back and say the problem is right here. Dear friend, your number one problem in your life is not the devil. Your number one problem in this life is not Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi. Your number one problem is not your employer. Your number one problem is not your wife. Your number one problem is you. The person you struggle with in the most is the person you see in the mirror every day. That person will lie to you, deceive you, and do everything in its power to destroy you. You will destroy you first. The man in the mirror is the person who will destroy you first. You are the easiest person in the whole world to deceive yourself. Not only does Jacob get blamed, secondly, in an act of desperation, she gives Jacob a concubine or her maid verse 3 and he said behold my maid Bilha go unto her and she shall bear upon me my knees and that I may have also children by her now does that sound familiar to you do you remember his grandfather by name of Abraham Genesis chapter 16 verse 2 and Sarah said to Abram behold now the lord hath restrained me from bearing i pray thee go into my maid that it may be that i obtain children by her and Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah Wow. Now Leah will follow suit and give her handmaid to Jacob because he has discovered that after a full child, she's not having any children anymore. So these two sisters are constantly fighting. It's the battle of the babies. Which sister can have more children? One commentator I read said, this battle is like a huge poker game. Each side is raising the ante. One side says, well... I'll, I'll bid one wife. The other says, "Well, I bid one wife and four children." The other one responds, "I'll match you your wife and raise you a concubine and her two children." The other replies, "Well, I will raise you another concubine." This one makes one wife, one concubine, six children against one wife, one concubine, and two children. Now I don't know how to play poker, but that's what they say. Verse fourteen. And Reuben went in the days of the wheat harvest and found mandrakes in the field and brought them into his mother's Leah. And Rachel said to Leah, give me, I pray thee, thy son's mandrakes. And he said, what is up with these mandrakes? Well, mandrakes were considered to be aphrodisiacs, that is, help in fertility. And note Leah's response here to Rachel, verse 15. She said in her, it is a small matter that thou hast taken my husband, that thou wouldest take away my son's mandrakes also. And Rachel said, therefore, will I, will, <laughs> therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for my son's mandrakes. In verse 16, Jacob came out out of the field, and Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come into me, for surely I have hired thee, thy son's mendrace, and he lay with her that night. Man, Jacob's a spiritual giant, isn't he? (laughs) Jacob, he's like a puppet. Do this, okay, do this. He's not saying no. He's not fighting this. He's not going, okay, ladies, let's like talk about this. Let's have a conference He's just, he just like, a, he just like a, a paper hanger in a hurricane. Whichever way the wind blows, he's going. And that's what happens when you're not spiritually right with God. You just go with the flow. Somebody says, hey, let's go have a drink. You go with a drink. Somebody says, hey, let's go have a smoke. Oh, you go have a smoke. If it's popular and everybody says do it, you do it because you have no foundation in God. The people at work start talking dirty jokes. You jump in there and start talking dirty jokes too. Your people at work start lying, talking all kinds of lies. You start being a liar too. You, you basically, you, you're, you're like that chameleon lizard. You develop in your environment, you become what everybody else is because you want to, The number one thing in life to you is making people like you. You want to be a people pleaser because you hate the fact that someone does not like you. Here's Jacob. One sister says this. Oh yeah, okay. One sister says this. Yes, okay, just, just okay. Here's a principle in all this. A principle in all this is especially in the relationship and husband and wife. We should not manipulate. Manipulation is not of, of God. We should speak transparent, transparently. Be honest. Communicate honestly. Not using bribes or vows or threatenings or anything to get our way in a relationship let your yay be yay and your nay be nay you say preacher is this kind of stuff going to marriages today oh yes it does that's why 50 percent of folks who get married today even christians do not stay married very long less than five years because this kind of stuff happens in churches just like this all around the Love at first sight, deceivers to see, the battle for the babies, vindicated at last. Look at verse 25. And it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph. Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go unto my place, to my own country. So what does Joseph mean? The Lord shall add unto me another son. She is not satisfied. This woman cannot be content with one child. One child. Verse 26, Give me my wives and my children, for whom I am served thee. Let me go, for thou knowest my service, which I have done to thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned my experience, that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. In other words, it's time. I've gotten my wealth. I've gotten my stuff. Now I'm, re- I'm ready to go. Verse 30, And it was a little that thou, has, thou hadst before I came. Now it's now increased a multitude. The Lord has blessed me since my coming, and now when I shall provide for my, my own house also, and he said, What shall I give thee? And Jacob said, Thou shalt not give me anything. If thou wilt do this thing for me, I will I will again feed and keep my flock. It will come to pass, verse thirty-two, that all the flock today, moving from thence, all the speckled and spotted calf, all the brown uh, cattle among the sheep, and the spotted and the speckled among the goats, and all of, all of shall be my hire. Verse thirty three, and shall my righteousness answer for me in my time to come, when it shall come from my higher before thy face, every one that is not speckled and spied among the goats, and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. So the predominant color of these of these sheep was white, and the goats were dark brown. It was rare, as I studied this for a for them to be speckled or spotted or striped sheep. So what did Jacob saying? He's basically saying, Hey, I know I'm penniless. I don't have a whole lot of stuff. I got wives, I've got children, but I got no way to support them. Let me take these measly flock, these measly sheep, and have a herd of my own. In verse 36. And he set between, set three days betwixt, journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob, Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob is a sneaky snake, so he thinks he's just gonna. He think he he. What's he trying to do? This sneaky snake. Now he's trying to trick Laban. Laban has tricked him. Now he's trying to trick him back, and actually he does. He he tricks him. In verse 43, we we read is in the man increased exceedingly, had much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. This is many years later. When we go back chapter 31 and verse 1. He heard the words of Laban's son saying Jacob had taken away all that our fathers, and that which our fathers have have gotten, all his glory. Laban had everything. He had the strongest. He had the best. But he gave the weak part to, to, to Jacob. And Jacob was blessed by God. And God now blessed Jacob. And he had the strongest cattle. He had the strongest sheep. He had the strongest goats. And he was getting ready to leave. And the sons did not like that. And Jacob, verse two, beheld the countenance of Laban, behold, it was not it was not towards him as before. You ever meet somebody and they're usually smiling at you, but then you meet them the next time and they're not smiling at you? Things that are different, not the same different attitude. Verse 5, and he said to him, I see your father's countenance is not towards me as before, but God of my fathers have been with me, and you know that with all my power I have served your father and your fathers have deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered them not to hurt me. And the angel, verse 11, spake unto me in the dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, here am I. And he said, lift up mine eyes and see, and all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ringstraked, speckled and grizzled, for I have seen all that Laban hath done unto thee. I am the God of Bethel, thou anointest the pillar where thou vowedest a vow unto me. Now rise, get thee out of the land, return to the land of thy kindred. It's time for him to go. He's been there for too too long. Verse 18. And he carried away all his cattle and his goods, which he had gotten, and in the, in the cattle of his getting, which he had gotten in Panoram, for to go to Isaac his father in the land of Canaan. Laban went to shear his sheep, and Rachel stolen the image that were her father's. And Jacob Shola unawares to Laban the Syrian, and that he told him not of that he fled. He was about to go to Laban and said, Laban, I'm leaving you, because he's afraid Laban was going to try to trick him again. They were both trying to trick each other. Verse 27, therefore, this thou flee away? Of course, Laban hears about it secretly. He comes after him to steal away from me, and just not tell me that I might have sent thee away from mirth, and with songs, with tilbret, with harp. Thou hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters, thou hast not done foolish, thou hast done foolishly in doing so. It is the power of my hand to do you hurt. But the God of your father spake to me, yesternight, saying, thou, didst, thou th- take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, neither good or bad. Thou, now thou wouldest needs to be gone, because thou soared longest after thy father's house, yet worst house thou hast stolen my gods. And Jacob answered to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, peradventure thou wouldst take my force, my daughters from, from me, and whosoever thou findest thy gods. Let him not live that before our brethren discerned that what is in thine with me. Take it to thee, for Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. So verses 33, 36, there's a hunt for the the false gods of Laban, which Rachel stole. The false goods cannot be found because Rachel is sitting on them and asks of her father not to get up because she's sick. Verse 36, and Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban, and Jacob answered and said to Laban, what is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Where is thou thy searched all my stuff? was hast not found all my stuff, the thy, thy, thy household stuff? Set it before my brethren and thy brethren, that they may judge betwixt us both. The twenty years I have been with thee, the ooze and the, the she-goats have thou cast their young, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That's what torn a beast I brought not unto thee. I bear the loss of it, the hand that thou require of it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night." Thus I did in the day of the drought consuming and the frost by night. The sleep departed from mine eyes. Thus I have been twenty years in thine house. a third of thee fourteen years for thy two daughters and six for thy cattle. And thou hast changed my wages ten times. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac, have been with me. Surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God has seen mine affliction and labor of my hands and rebuked thee. Yes or night. Wow. So we see the love at first sight, the deceiver deceived, the battle for the babies, the vindicated at last, the vindication is fulfilled, and finally, the covenant of distrust, the covenant of distrust. They're gonna depart from one another, but it's it's not gonna be because they really trust one another. Look at chapter 31, verse 43. And Laban answered and said to Jacob, these daughters are my daughters, these children are my children, these cattle are my cattle, all thou seest is mine, what I can do this day unto thy, these daughters or unto the, their children which thou have bore? Now therefore thou come thou and lay, make us a covenant. And I and thou and let it be but, witness between me and thee. Verse forty five. And Jacob took a stone and set up for a pillar. and Jacob said to his brethren, Gather stones. They took up stones and made a heap. And did eat there upon the heap. And Laban called it Kirgashadadah, but Jacob called it Gilead. And, Jacob, and Laban said, This heap is a witness between thee and. In this, in this day, therefore was the name of it called Gilead. In Gilead. Mitzpah, he said, the Lord watch between me and thee. We were absent from one another and thou shalt afflict my daughters. If thou take other wives beside my daughters, no man is, is with us. See, God is witness between me and thee. He said, I know who you are, Jacob. Don't take other daughters. Don't do anything deceitful. There's, this is a witness, this is a covenant. A covenant is agreement between two people something that is not conditional, something that happens has to happen. Through all these three chapters, I wonder what we could say about Jacob. I wonder what we could say about Jacob. If we had the opportunity after all of this to sit Jacob down, after he went through all this, I wonder what Jacob would say. I wonder what Jacob would say. Well, I think, first of all, if we ask Jacob what he would say, if he was honest with you, and we'll see in the next chapter some of his transformation what God had done in his life through a, re, a wonderful wrestling match, first of all, I think Jacob would say that he learned that you can never hurt somebody and get away with it. That you reap what you sow. So often in life, we think we can just do what we want, and there's no consequences. But dear friend, let me tell you, sowing and reaping is written in God's, God's, God's constitution of his universe. The concept, the truth, the doctrine of sowing and reaping, that you reap what you sow is written in the constitution of God's universe. You cannot get away from it. You cannot say to yourself that I'll do something and they'll never come back to me because it will. will. How many times in life have you done something when you were young, said something to your father, said something to your, your mother, then you have your own children. And then you're reminded, oh, I remember when I did that. Oh, I remember what how that was like. And we we reap what we sow, don't we? We reap what we sow. We reap actually more than we sow. You ever seen that in your own life? Seen that and seen that in your in what's going on in your life right now? Maybe right now you're reaping something that you sowed. Maybe right now you're reaping the lies that you've been telling. Maybe you've been reaped, right now you're reaping the hypocrisy that's in your life. Maybe right now you're reaping distrust of God. Maybe right now you're reaping financial mistakes that you made years ago when you could have made right decisions. Maybe you decided to put that money somewhere else and give instead of giving that tithe to God. And now you're reaping what you're sowing. Maybe the reason why you're in such financial straits is you started to give that first part to you instead of that first part to God. And you don't have right now because you never gave it to God. Maybe that's the situation you're in right now. I know one thing, dear friend. If you think you can trick God. If you think somehow you'll outplay God, you'll outsneak God, that you'll just do it and nobody knows, nobody cares. Dear friend, you're living a lie. You're living a lie. Jacob lived a lie. He thought he could do that stuff to Esau and it would never come back to him. But it came back to him even worse. That's why every day we must live in truth. How do you live in truth? By seeking the truth of the word of God. And as you know the truth, and you live the truth, and when we fail because we all fail, admit our failures and get right with other people. But do not live your life in deception. Do not live your life in trickery. Do not live your life pretending to be one thing to the world, but behind the scenes being something different. Don't be a Jacob. If Jacob could come and stand behind this pulpit tonight, he would say, I reaped what I sowed. I reaped what I sowed. And not only that, if Jacob could come back tonight, he would not only say, I reap what I sowed, he would say, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. This whole thing with Leah, we look at it and say, that's kind of crazy. But if Leah didn't exist, and he never had a relationship with Leah, as strange as it is, there would never be somebody by name of Levi. Is Levi very important? Remember the Levitical priest in the Old Testament? Who was one of the most important Levit- Levitical people in the Old Testament? Well, one of them, one of the grandsons of Levi, the great-grandson of Levi, was a man by the name of Moses. Without the relationship that he had with Leah, there would be no Levi, there would be no Moses. God uses even sometimes the mistakes in life. What we think is a problem, a difficulty, a hiccup, an interruption, he uses it for the glory of himself. You say, well, if it wasn't wasn't a Levi, then there, there wouldn't be a person by name of Judah. If there wasn't a person by name of Judah, there wouldn't be a person by name of David. If there wasn't a person named David, there wouldn't be a person by name of Jesus Christ. God used something that did not seem right at the time to do something great for us. Remember Joseph's words to his brother? You thought it evil, <laughs> but God meant it for good. That morning that Jacob woke up and looked over at Leah, he probably didn't think that was good. <laughs> he probably thought this is the worst day of my life. Who am I now married to? This is gonna change my plans for the rest of the week. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. And sometimes God is into the changing of your plans for your good and God's glory. We say, "Trust in the Lord with all our heart; lean not on his own uh, our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy path." Do we really do that? Because even in the failures, the seeming mistakes, the see, seeming problems, the seeming interruptions. Do we believe that God is sovereign and can use even those problems, those difficulties, that pain, for his, for his honor and for his glory? When I was working as a youth director at, at Gospel Baptist Church, one of the men that was one of my right hand men was named Doug Smith. Doug and Becky Smith lost several children because of miscarriage. You know what that did? That broke the heart of Doug Smith and Rebecca Smith. But because their heart was soft towards having children, God gave them a love for teenagers. And whenever I was serving there as a youth pastor, Doug Smith was right there with me, faithful. I'd show up to the youth group, there's Doug Smith. Why? For duty's sake? <laughs> no, folks. You couldn't pay Duck Smith the money he, that was owed him. He did it because he loved God and he loved children. He loved teenagers. What seemed like a horrible thing, and it was, God used it for good. And God will use even the tragic, the seeming mistake, the seeming interruption, the seeming problem for your good in God's glory. If you don't get better, you don't get bitter, but by the grace of God, you get better. It's how you choose the perspective. How do you choose to look at it? Because some tragedies come in a person's life and they're bitter for the rest of their life. I meet them every time I go on visitation. But sometimes tragedies happen in a person's life and though it is difficult and nearly destroys the person, by the grace of God, they can say, like Paul, the apostle said, when he had those thorns, those difficulties, those, tr- those troubles that we don't even know what they are, when I am weak, he is strong. When I am weak, he is strong. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Help us to learn these very crucial points in life about the importance of sowing and reaping. Help us not be, to believe the lie that what we do today we can do without anybody thinking or anybody knowing. But God, we know that you care. We know that you understand. And if we reap, we sow to righteousness, we'll reap, we'll sow, we'll reap righteousness. If we sow to wickedness, we'll reap wickedness. Help us to understand that truth, and God, help us, Lord Jesus, when troubles come and difficulties come and interruptions come and hiccups in life come, not to look at it only as a tragedy, but as an opportunity for our good and your glory. Head bowed and eyes closed. Maybe someone in this room can say, Preacher, I'm not a Christian. Maybe you've played the part, but like Jacob, you've lived a phony life. You know in your heart of hearts, maybe you come to church, maybe you prayed prayers, maybe you got baptized, maybe your parents think you're saved, maybe, maybe at one time you thought you're saved, but be honest right now, if you're totally honest, if you died today, you know you wouldn't go to heaven. You know you would not be in heaven. You've tried to fool people, trick people, but you know in your heart of hearts you're not a Christian. You're really not. You play the game well, but you're not a Christian. Preacher... If I died today, I don't think I'd go to heaven. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you, but I'd love to pray for you. Anybody at all this evening? I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I am not sure I'd go to heaven, but I want to. We're all sinners, but thank God, God, God commended His love towards us, and that yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us.